You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Father, we thank you for another podcast. Thank you for this opportunity to hear from you. We thank you that you are good and that you are with us. You are in us. You are for us. And that we lack nothing. That everything you are, we are in Christ. We have the fullness of the Godhead, which lives in Jesus, living inside of us. We are one with you, Father, because we're one with Jesus. And so, Father, I just pray that as we enter into today's episode, that you will speak. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Speak to our spirits and, and teach us your ways, Father. Renew our minds so that we think with the mind of Christ and we feel with your heart. We just turn it over to you, Holy Spirit. You lead and guide us into all truth. Show us things to come. Enlighten our eyes. And help us to grasp and understand and know at our deepest parts of our being the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in my last podcast, my first podcast, after pretty much a long break, I just kind of came out, I don't know if I'd call it swinging, but I came out with... I don't know, maybe not necessarily a message that I would have planned to come out and talk about, but I really feel it was a a God-inspired message, and I I called it God's Agenda Part 1, and I'm going to pick it up uh, in this podcast, and I'm calling this one God's Agenda Part 2, and I really do want to talk about the importance of getting on God's agenda in this hour. Uh, You know, obviously, I'm recording this podcast here in the United States, and we've got listeners all over the world. So you may think, oh, I'm not sure how this applies to me, but I do believe that what I am speaking is a global (laughs) problem. I don't think it's just a, a United States problem. I think it's a global church issue. And I want to try to talk about it today really with the heart of God. I, I, I really am not a, one of those preachers that calls people to repent a lot. And that really was a lot of the last podcast. And if you haven't heard that one yet, I encourage you to go listen to it. But this, in this episode, I really want to break things down a little bit more to the real underlying problem. Because, you know, one of my team members had spoken to me after the last recording and said, you know, the challenge, Shalise, in in these podcasts is that both sides of the political aisle think that they have God's agenda. And the blindness that is driving so much division and just ugliness in our culture right now uh, is... You know, I talked about that being pride, but the problem with pride is that it, it really is a, 
a blindness. People really think that they're right and that they really have God's agenda. In the last podcast, what I said was God's agenda is love. Uh, I, I, I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and I, I talked about the fact that our destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, which is love. And I think the problem sometimes with saying that is that we've been programmed, specifically in the Western evangelical church, to think that love looks like truth or that love is standing up for the truth. When that is not necessarily the way love works. It is absolutely the way the law works. It is absolutely the way when we are fellowshipping with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how that works, how that looks. You know, it's always about being right. It's always about being on the side of truth. At the expense, by the way, of whatever it costs. And what I want to share is that there's something that God values above everything. And what God values above right and above truth is relationship. That may seem like heresy to you, but I want to propose to you that the gospel is a message about God coming into relationship with us when everything about us was wrong. It is a message about loving us at our worst. It is a message about while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die for us because we were right. He died for us because he is love. And in love, he chose us, not because of anything that we did that was right or wrong, but because of who he is. And love as an identity loves. And it loves in a manner (laughs) that is unconditional. It does not base the object that it loves. It doesn't, it doesn't decide if the object that it loves is worthy of love based upon the right or wrongness of that object. It loves because it's decided that that object is lovable. I hope I'm making sense when I share that because standing for the truth 
and dividing against people over it is not the way of love. It is the way of judgment. It is the way of conditional love. It is the way of, I'm going to say it this way, self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is a problem. It's a problem because it makes us right apart from the righteousness of God, which is the only true right. It is the only person who is right. If you want to know what's right, you need to know who's right. Our righteousness is a gift from God. It is not something that we boast in. It is not something that we can boast in because it's a gift. We don't earn our right standing with the Father. We don't earn our position in Christ. We were placed in Christ simply because we believed. And that does not make us superior to anyone. It makes us the recipient of mercy and grace. And I'm jumping right in today because the part of the problem is that when we choose a political side as right and judge another political side as wrong, or we judge people versus love people, then we are misrepresenting Jesus. I could give example after example of just some comments that I saw just today on social media from Christians that truly believe that they are on the side of righteousness, that they are speaking on God's side. And the problem with it is that they are people on both political sides of the aisle. So you, on one side, you've got people that are, you know, Black Lives Matter uh, for defunding the police, for whatever other left-leaning agenda that you want to mention right now, immigration, you name it, who believe that they are representing justice, they are representing God's opinion on the matter. And then you've got people on the right side of the aisle that are, you know, blue lives matter and all about you know, pro-life and whatever other topic that you want to pull out of the right side's agenda, and they absolutely are defending America for God. And so you've got two sides of the aisle, both speaking for God. And as someone who is called to minister the gospel 
is someone who is called to fivefold ministries as described in Ephesians 4. I have a job. And my job is to equip believers for the work of their ministry. My job is to grow up the body of Christ into the fullness of the stature of Jesus. My job is not to pick a political left or right side of the aisle. My job is to help us grow up into all things Jesus and to demonstrate to a lost and dying world the character of Jesus Christ. My job is to teach believers who they are in Christ so that they recognize that they don't have an identity apart from Jesus, that they no longer are to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they are not of this world, that a political system should not, you should not be known as a conservative or a liberal, but you should be known by your love. And when your Facebook feed or Instagram feed is more about a political agenda than it is about loving people, we are misrepresenting the heart of God. And I know it is easy. It is easy to get caught up in the fray. There is so many things to be potentially upset about. But if we spent as much time, as I said in the last podcast, meditating on 1 Corinthians 13 and allowing the Holy Spirit to develop in us as we abide in the vine the fruit of the Spirit... I'm not seeing a whole lot of patience in the body of Christ right now. I'm not seeing a whole lot of kindness. I'm not seeing a whole lot of long-suffering. I'm seeing a whole lot of aggression. I'm seeing a whole lot of arguing. I'm seeing a whole lot of divisiveness. And I know that I am not alone in my observations. But I think what is most upsetting about it is that everybody's pointing at everybody else. And no one is really apparently thinking about their own fruit. You know, one of the most, I don't know, disturbing passages of Scripture to me was... You know, after Peter denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus comes back and asks him, you know, Peter, do you love me? And Peter just, you know, would say, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he would say, feed my sheep. You know, Peter, do you love me? And Peter would come back and and, and say, yes, Lord. And he would say, feed my sheep. 
And then he came again, Peter, do you love me? And he comes back again, feed my sheep. And then Jesus prophesies Peter's death. He basically tells him that when you're old, you're going to be led somewhere you don't want to go. And here's what I know. When I read stories in the early church about the persecution they faced from their governments, I read about first century Christians that didn't believe they were worthy to die in the same way that Jesus did and would be crucified upside down. And I am not suggesting that we need to go to those extremes. But I am suggesting that something is very, very different between what we call persecution and what many Christians throughout the course of church history and even in other parts of the world face on a daily basis. And I think it's incredible how when I read these stories of these first century Christians, how they would find themselves singing. They would find, they would, they would, they would, they considered it an honor to be crucified like Jesus. But there is something about selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-preservation that is prevalent in today's Western Christianity that has lost touch with the truth of what love actually looks like. When I started back up these podcasts, I didn't really know or anticipate that these were going to be some kind of political-centered messages. But, beloved, I, I know, let me say it this way, I can't stay silent, mainly because of where I've come from and the Jesus that I've been walking with for 25 years to 30 years since I met him. I mean, I relate when I read the scriptures to the outcasts. I relate to the untouchables. I relate to those who knew they needed deliverance and they needed healing. I remember what it was like to meet Jesus for myself for the first time. I remember why I walked away from Jesus in my 20s because of judgment, because of the way that I felt around Christians. Even after growing up in church, even after professing Christ as a 10-year-old, I'll say it this way, I understand and remember 
the pain of judgment and what it feels like to be judged by self-righteous people who are not aware that they have a log in their eye. And I can tell you, it is damaging. It is a damaging thing to say you represent Jesus and you are known for judgment. And you are known or thought of as hypocrites. And to be so blinded to that that you actually think you're being persecuted by the people that are just being honest about the way that you come off. There was a book published by the Barna Group several years ago called Unchristian. And it surveyed the unchurched. And it surveyed just people <laughs> from all kinds of backgrounds about the way they thought about Christians. And it was scathing. It was eye-opening. And it was dismissed by a lot of people. Yet when I read it, I was so grieved. I was grieved because I understood. And I understood how judgment kills love. I understood how you cannot love someone and judge someone at the same time. And I also understood how blinding judgment really is because you actually believe when you're judging someone that you're in the right. And therefore, you're self-justified in your judgment. And you never really realize that judgment belongs to God and God alone. And that when you put yourself in that role, you truly have become a hypocrite. Because there is no single person that can stand before the judgment seat of Christ justified in and of themselves. There is no one that passes the judgment test except Jesus. And you either have to take on his perfection and his righteousness or you have to stand on your own. You cannot stand 
in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and throw stones. Jesus was the only one that could have judged the adulterous woman, and he was the only one who didn't. And so, beloved, the underlying agenda that truly has to be picked up is not about who's going to win this presidential election because November is going to come and go and there is going to be a winner and there is going to be a loser. And if you search much back in the history books at all, you will find that all of history contains all kinds of horrible things. I wasn't alive during World War I or World War II, but when I watch the History Channel, I'll tell you what, I'm thankful. I wasn't alive during the bubonic plague, but when I read about it, I am thankful that I was not alive during that time. There's not an age in history where there wasn't war, there wasn't disease, there wasn't economic collapse or all kinds of calamities. I'll say it again. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. But beloved, we are not of this world. We are called to live from another realm, from another kingdom, a kingdom that is ruled by love, a kingdom that is ruled by forgiveness, a kingdom that is ruled by grace and mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Loving our enemies, loving each other, loving our neighbor as ourselves, these are the traits of a Christian. And when we become famous for love, then... (laughs) And only then will Jesus Christ be known for who he really is. Mike Bickle gave a prophecy years ago, and when I heard it, I was drawn in. And and he said this, he said, God is about to change the face of Christianity in one generation. And when I heard the prophecy, I... I was so excited because I knew that there was a part that I was to play in the fulfillment of that prophecy. And as I've followed various streams in the church over time, I have found that I think, and this, I, I may be wrong with this, but I think the church desires a righteous society regardless of what the underlying heart of that society looks like. 
You know, the Pharisees were known for good behavior. But Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They were dead inside. You can know all the scripture. You can follow all of the rules and still miss it. God is not after (laughs) right behavior. Christianity is not about doing the right things. It is about a relationship with the one who is right. It is about inward transformation. It is about the grace of God coming into the human condition and doing what only the grace of God can do. It's so amazing to me that I don't think anything that I'm saying is necessarily new or earth-shattering. But there is something that has splintered the mind of the Western church and deceived us into thinking that we're on God's agenda by standing for what we judge to be God's agenda rather than partnering with God for personal transformation. And for God's agenda in our own life. You know, God's agenda in our own life. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it costs everything. Loving others unconditionally costs something. Laying down judgment, laying down our need to be right, coming at relationships and people from a place of humility requires something. It requires a complete inward overhaul (laughs) of the way that we think so that we allow the life of Christ to flow through us. Beloved, dependency on God costs something. Humility costs something. Apologizing to people, saying I'm sorry, costs something. And we have work to do. We have work to do in this country, not by supporting a political candidate. We have work to do in this country 
by learning to love our neighbor as ourself. The message of love is not new, and it's not always the most exciting message, but it is the message that we need to, we need to major on it. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, in the Amplified Version, it says, Make love your goal. It says desire spiritual gifts, but make love the goal. And so I just want to challenge you practically. Challenge you practically to ask God, what needs to change in me? What's your agenda for my relationships? What's your agenda in my life? You're conforming me, Holy Spirit, to the image of Jesus. What does that look like in my life? Who are you asking me to lay down my life for? What enemy are you asking me to love? What neighbor are you asking me to love as myself today? What does love look like in my life? What does love look like in my relationships? What does love look like for me? And if you major on that agenda, I can promise if everyone did that, our social media feeds would look very different. Our level of frustration would feel very different. Our relationships would be very different. Instead of bringing, you know, our guns to the riots, we're going to bring the foot washing bath, fish, the 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 bucket, right, to wash people's feet. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm picking on both sides. So don't, don't get mad at me if I'm picking on your particular issue. Because it's on every side of every issue. Here's the thing, people. (laughs) Do not want to be preached at. That does not transform anyone's heart. The good news feels good. And unless the gospel and Jesus that you represent is causing people that don't know him to flock to you, then I want to propose that it's not the gospel and it's not Jesus. The wisdom from above is pure. It's peaceable. It's easy to be entreated. And when I read my Bible, it was always the religious ones that were causing the problems. In fact, Pilate was ready to let Jesus go, but it was the religious ones that ultimately shut that down. I want to propose that we are not just fighting the world system or the political system or a political agenda. 
in the Western world, <laughs> but rather we are fighting a religious system. And the foundation of that system is a righteousness apart from Christ. It is self-righteous judgment. And it loves to miss the point. Right and loud, but actually wrong. Love is so patient. Love is so kind. I love the amplified version that says, it does not keep a record of wrongs. It's not proud, it doesn't boast. It's not easily offended. It doesn't seek its own. It's not selfish. Repentance begins in the house of God, beloved, and I believe this is the time for us not to rally the troops and pray for America. Frankly, I think we should rally the troops and pray for the church. We're missing it. We're missing it big time. And we are hurting the cause of Christ. And we are misrepresenting Jesus. So, Father, as we wrap today, I just, I just pray, Father, that you would do what only you can do. Help us see. See the log in our own eye. And give you permission to remove it. Chop that sucker up. <laughs> and what we have agreed with that is not you, cause us to change our minds. Give us a new perspective. Give us new lenses. Give us new vision. Once that log is gone, Lord, help us see clearly. Help us discern. Let us see things from your vantage point, from your perspective. And Father, let us be a part of the Reformation in the church. Let us be a part of the reforming of the heart of the American church. Let us be a part of seeing the transfiguration of the church. Let us be a part of changing the face of Christianity so that it actually looks like you, Jesus. Let us be a part of transforming the way the world sees Jesus. And Father, make us a part of making the church known by its love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalice.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. 
You can also find a link there to download Shalisa's book, The Path, for free. Or you can visit www.thepathfreebook.com. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then take that first step and contact us by email at info at to inquire about working with Shalise and enrolling in Emerge School of Transformation. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.